Welcome to Bouncing Back Stronger, the podcast where we explore the incredible power of you, resilience, personal growth, and triumph over adversity. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Vasquez, and I'm thrilled to have you here. Each week, we'll delve into inspiring personal stories, we'll share practical strategies for growth, and provide valuable insights from my own expert experience and as a trained therapist, hypnotherapist and mindset coach. Get ready to be inspired, motivated and equipped with the tools to bounce back stronger than ever before. And if you enjoy the show, please press follow. We'd really appreciate your help and your support here at Bouncing Back Stronger. Now, let's get started. Welcome to Bouncing Back Stronger. Today, a very interesting topic, particularly for me and particularly within my line of work. I am joined by the lovely Nisanka Wickramachi. Is that right, Nisanka? We've had a quick conversation before about that. (laughs) (laughs) Almost there, darling. Almost Almost there. there. Thank you. Well, welcome, Nisanka. You are a parenting with a narcissist coach. Yes. You are indeed. And narcissism and narcissists has come up a lot for me whilst working in private practice. Um, so, you know, I've been very, you know, sort of like really excited, excited might be the wrong word, but you know, I'm really intrigued by this, by this topic. And yeah, I've come across it now quite a lot. Um, so I guess the first question, which I ask everybody is, how did you come to work in this this particular niche for you? Oh, thank you very much, Sarah, for the the opportunity, and thank you all for listening. And apologies for the dog barking. That's my neighbor's dog, and there's a couple of um, houses away, so I can't do anything about it. So, how did I get here? It's just I'm, real. It's very real. It's very real. It's yeah. very real. Yeah, exactly. I'm sitting in my <laughs> office working today. It's the dog barking. How did I get here? How did I get here? Because I've been in that situation. I am in that situation, and I've I learned a great deal about I I went through this situation without knowing what exactly what's what's going on um to me what's going on with um in that situation and I did that on my own and then when I look back and I when I've healed enough to look back and reflect and sort of in a way celebrate the achievements and I realized there's a lot of people, other people who are going through the situation and actually which are, uh, without the right type of help mm-hmm. um, and without the right type of help, without the right type of tools, without the right type of information. So, I mean, I, I've been a coach for about four, four and a half years now and uh, I've dabbled in other niches, you know, here and there. And yeah. I've noticed a pattern of people that I've actually attracted as well mm-hmm. in terms of when I worked and um, noticed a pattern in my life as well and looking at you know what exactly I'm experiencing and what is it telling me what is the universe telling me mm. it it's never a very gentle conversation with the universe at the time it was like what are you telling me <laughs> it was very much like why are you telling me why are you doing this to me uh, but uh, yeah, and then I eventually decided, I mean, I was a bit hesitant because it's too close to my heart and, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
I've always lived a very private life. So mm. I, do I want to speak about stuff that's going on in my life? And mm. that was a question that I had to ask. But I believe there's so much wisdom and practical things that I share as long it's an interesting as my... um, point really yeah. Nasanka, because you are in a way by showing yourself off to the world and, and especially perhaps with social media yeah making yourself really vulnerable yes it's, it's almost like you have to sit with yourself and say am i ready to make myself this vulnerable but yet you know and and a coach actually said to me well sarah what you have to do is think about who is it for is this for you or is this for that person who is really struggling in their life? Yeah. And yeah. of course it's for them. So that really helped me get over that hurdle of if I don't, that person will continue perhaps to suffer. And it's like, I felt a calling. Is that what you Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I agree. I think there is a professional and a, a personal responsibility responsibility to ourselves and as well as a responsibility to the people that we are here to serve and we can't serve from a place a wounded place and that's mm. the that's the bottom line we cannot serve people other people from a wounded place because yeah. we end up projecting our own stuff and so I have to really um, reflect and decide am I serving from a wounded place or am I serving Great from place. a scarred place yeah. so I'm actually serving from a scarred place in the sense that I've got the wisdom and I've got the lessons I've learned and I've got the practical things that I've learned and I'm in a very um sort of uh, peaceful um confident place to mm. to help other people and uh yeah <laughs> but of course it took you some time to get there and again, I, I was coaching a lady, well, one of my clients, she just, just started with me and she said, you know, I've read so much, I, I do this and I'd love to help others in a similar position. And she said, but I, and, and great awareness because she said, but I need to heal first. And I said, yes, you do. You've got to take that time for your own healing. Yeah. And then when you're ready and you will know you're ready yeah then you, can, you do it's it's more of a physical somatic embodied experience you just feel that peacefulness and you just feel you just feel that physically yeah yeah i feel ready i feel ready it feels more um aligned you know you you feel that alignment within you yeah you it's, it's, it's a it's a physical feeling so how did you know that you were with a narcissist or how did you know that this was becoming a problem well, it goes way back, um, Sarah. I think I, I, I um, it wasn't, um, so when my daughter was born back in 2012, mm -hmm. um, I, well, I went through post, um, you know, what do you call the postpartum depression yeah. that later developed to anxiety. I ignored it all and then later developed to severe anxiety. I ignored that and then yeah. later developed um severe depression and suicidality and I, I think that's the moment I started questioning what's what am I doing with my life and why am I feeling this way mm. I have a very problem-solving brain very pragmatic brain mm. so I was kind of looking for options how can I heal but I was one of those like academic people you know come from an academic world 
who wanted to be the best patient to my therapist and who went away and then read 10 books and I was like, yep, gave all the answers that they needed to hear so that I could be discharged earlier. Yeah. I was one of those people, you know, and then realized actually this is not working. This is um, this is going in the wrong direction. And so explored uh, explored holistic therapy, how I got into it. Long story short, I started noticing I started feeling better uh, in the sense I started developing this consciousness and then awareness for me to be able to step back Mm -hmm. and pay attention to what's going on. I think that's the only time that you will notice what's going on and started noticing what's going on. And I started questioning Mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that question led me to, you know, academic background, academically trained, and I can do my research. So I went into research and doing research about it. And the more and more and I researched about it and I realized, okay, well, there's a reason why therapy didn't work because it wasn't really addressing the issue. Mm. Um, Second, there's a reason why I'm not doing the right thing because I've not really understood what's really going on here. And it just um, sort of evolved from there it's just evolved from there and um and then I decided to obviously leave them the relationship and then moved away moved out it is in that silence it is away from that environment that I could start actually start processing it all and um it just evolved from there really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what is a narcissist, Misanka? Good question. So mm-hmm. there's two different things that I want to point out. One is narcissistic personality disorder. And not that I support pathologizing anything or any human being for that matter. And the other thing is narcissistic personality trait, which is what I am more talking about. Mm. Um, I'm not a licensed therapist, therefore I'm not going to, go into um, clinical terms mm. for that matter. I, I and, still say that that is a very specialized area, you know, yes. I, like I, I am a um, qualified therapist, but that would very much be um, something that we go on to do as extra. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So personality disorders yeah. are something that you really actually have to train yourself exactly. and you have to develop the skills to work with. Um, so I'm going to talk about uh, narcissistic personality behavior it's a behavior mm. um so there are there are two main things to remember one is grandiosity one is shame and the narcissistic people mm. go between these two right no, shame. Well, never have put shame in there isn't that interesting yeah no i mean this is the myth about narcissism yeah. is that there's a myth yeah. Um, the myth is that narcissistic people are extremely successful and extremely confident. Mm. Actually, no. It is a very much a shame-based personality type. Mm. So what's in the core of narcissism and narcissistic personality beha- or narcissistic behavior is actually shame mm. and grandiosity in order to protect that shame. Okay, that's what's there. That's Has why the shame come from the childhood, or it was it, it comes like, from different. Like, yes, it comes yeah. from different different sources. So, childhood trauma is one thing. 
environment that they grew up is another. So say, for example, uh, if you've had parents who are overindulging you, who told you, you can go out into the society, get whatever you want. I mean, I've seen this panning out and I've worked with children for the last 20 years, you know, mm. or more. Uh, you know, I've worked in private schools, I've worked in state schools. So I've got this experience and I've seen some families who come from the elite and who come from very wealthy environments. I'm not saying, I'm not categorizing wealthy people as mm. narcissists, but I'm just sharing experience and really making the, making these children believe that they can have whatever they want because they have servants at home, they have gardeners, they have drivers, mm. they don't have to lift a finger, they don't have to take any responsibility, but also very um, toxic environments, toxic role modeling from the parents to the children, um, sort of giving the children this idea that, uh, you know, you can treat anybody any you know unkindly you know um because they, like are less, they can see a power a power, the power uh, being mis yes mm. they can see the power being misused so you, you really teach some of this narcissistic behavior and children by are by definition developmentally are narcissistic in the sense yes. they have black and white thinking it's part of the developmental need it's, it's a part of the development so what also happens is when you have parents who are not in tune with children, who don't then support children out of that narcissism, and then it becomes a pattern later in life um, as adults. So there are so many reasons as to why the narcissism or narcissistic behavior develops um, in a person. Um, just to add so shame and shame and grandiosity are the two main things in the core of it. And then you have uh, sort of personality or behavior types. So the behavior types are, or the way they manifest is lack of empathy, more the grandiose. The, the, you know, if, if, if you look at um, this grandiosity as a scale, mm. if they are leaning towards the the end of the scale of the grandiosity. The more grandiose you are, less empathy you have. Mm -hmm. And they tend to be the malignant type narcissist who you who misuse the system, the court system, and go on to like living their life as if they own the world, you know? And for me, that's the more obvious narcissist as well. They're, they're yes. perhaps the one that I could spot a mile off and- Yes and say yes. yes that's an absolutely absolutely because they are very over and they're out there and some of them might even know that they are mm. uh, and they're like well it's who i am mm. i don't care you know you take me anywhere you like this is who i am and they're very over that quite because unfortunately they also know they're untouchable in a way they believe that and the society that they in live environment that they live in has enabled them to feel that way. So, you know, I mean, I, I can think of different couple of politicians from my own country and they're just literally untouchable mm -hmm. because they have got the money and the power and, and you, you know. You can even think of some famous um, politicians, really, <laughs> that think they're untouchable or thought they yeah, were. Actually, according to research, there isn't a single politician on this planet who isn't a narcissist. <laughs> That's the research. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the research, but I can quote it from that book that I'm reading at the moment. Um, so the lack of empathy, entitlement, we talked about entitlement, rage, 
you know, they, they feel enraged mm. when they get when they don't get what they want and how they want it. Then it because they, in anger. Oh yeah, they're just angry, you know, just punching, maybe hitting people, maybe being physically violent, but it could also be intimidation, you know, like going towards somebody like intimidating somebody or uh you know threatening them and you know um like actually really intimidating another person so entitlement and um what is that the vindictive you know it's like when people refuse to serve them they then get very vindictive so they can actually choose to take choose to take revenge and that you know we have to remember this they choose this behavior I can and also see this in the workplace oh yeah. yeah yeah I've worked oh, in oh, some yes. places and, and now that we're really talking about it in depth I'm thinking back to perhaps some people in the management and how that trickles down I was only having a conversation with somebody yesterday about one of the top bosses feeling like he could just do what he wanted because yeah. he was untouchable and that did um that did kind of find its way into harassment yeah of, of his absolutely. female staff yeah. absolutely i can think of a couple of people mm -hmm. that i've worked with as well and really leaves a lasting impact on people's mental health mm -hmm. so it doesn't help to get a yoga therapist in for half an hour a day on your well-being day. You've got to change culture, but that's a different topic. Uh, bringing it back to the topic that we were talking about, so entitlement. And the other thing is victimhood. Oh, my God. Everybody's after, get the, after them. Everybody's trying to get them. Everybody's attacking them. Yeah. Nothing is ever their problem. And or ever their fault or ever their responsibility. I think no. that's a big one responsibility is always shifted it's always. not my fault i didn't do that i didn't yep. say this it's your problem you deal yep. with it absolutely if it rains it's somebody else's problem not mm. my problem you know and i guess it's... that ties in with the empathy as well you know yeah. there's a lack of empathy there so there's i find that there's a huge a, a huge attachment issue a huge oh avoidance yeah attachment there there's a there's a so I think the research is suggesting that the the um, attachment to a caregiver, primary caregiver, in the when it's damaged, you know, you have the four attachment style, and when this attachment is not fully formed or it's negatively formed, then it affects the narcissism because. In order for you to feel, we talk about three different types of empathy, right? So you talk about the cognitive empathy, you talk about emotional empathy, and you talk about compassionate empathy. And narcissistic people are cognitively empathic. So they can go, oh, poor you. Oh, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. I'm so sorry. What's for dinner? Mm, which you could see a lot in a relationship. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that idea of, oh, I do care, but yeah. not enough because I can quite quickly switch to, yeah, what's yeah. for dinner? We're not going to dwell on that about no. how you are feeling. Exactly. But I've acknowledged it. So there yeah. you go. What almost like, what more do you want? Exactly. And they, yeah. they do say that. No. I've just, I've just sent the card. I've sat next to you and I've said, mm. you know, I made you a cup of tea. What, what more can I do? What more do you want from me? You know, you're being unreasonable. You're being mm. so dramatic. You're being too sensitive. So if you're, if you've been ever in a situation like this, it's, you know, please remember, you're not being over dramatic. You know, 
feeling we have a right to our emotions the way we feel and we have to allow that emotions to write 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 the way we must write the way when it is not in anybody's right to tell us how we do it and how long we take it 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 belongs to us there's a confusion though isn't it because i think for that um the person on the receiving end the recipient can say yeah, but he did ask me how I was. He did yes. those things, but but then he just went and did that. Well, oh, is yes. that okay? Is that normal? But I don't, yeah. you know, and that can take some time for the recipient to get their heads around. It's, well, I guess it's also verging on gaslighting as well. Like, I told you, you were okay. I've said this, haven't I? What are you talking about? Yeah, I will talk about gaslighting, yeah. So, yeah, we'll go on to that one. <laughs> In a minute. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So there's some this this thing called cognitive dissonance. It's like you have you have no for a kind, empathetic, healthy person, you have no reference point as to what's going on because you're not that cruel because you feel somebody else's pain. So when you're being told, Oh, your auntie died, I'm so sorry, what's happened? Okay, where's the report? Mm-hmm. You go into this confused mind and you're like, What's just happened? I'm not sure. Am I Usually victims walk away feeling, survivors, victims walk away feeling, I am the problem. I'm the one who is making the problem. I am making a big scene here. I must suppress and next time I won't do that. And that's how they train you or condition you Mm. to serve them. If you think about, um, you know, uh, toxic people like narcissistic Mm. leaders in workplaces, right? They, they they won't have any hesitations um sort of forgetting forgetting about your um worries and just expecting you to perform on the day yeah. um on a day that you face tragedy I mean, I I can think of one person that I work with this this poor woman's mom died mm. and this this boss put that poor woman through disciplinary on that day oh, I know. I know, and and, and it's, what type of atmosphere is that creating? Just one of fear. It's a fear. And so when there is fear, yeah. when there is fear, there's no consent either. So you're not in a consensual environment either, whether it's workplace or whether it's um, um, relationship. It's it's not consent. It's your suppressing whatever it is that you're feeling, you're experiencing, you're really learning and conditioning yourself to suppress because you feel the fear. Yeah, it's exactly. compliance. It's not consent. It's compliance, and we need to really understand that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we go into cognitive empathy. <laughs> going to cognitive empathy, so they can do that. Yeah. What they don't have is the depth of empathy that normal healthy people can feel the emotional and um like for example you know if somebody's going through a really tough time you may sit with them for a bit longer you may you know kind of look after them ask them questions or see if they need anything yeah that's the that's the way that normal and i'm doing that with you know um speech marks yeah that's what we do but a so where's the so you said emotional, um, yeah. empathetic as well. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's about feeling somebody else's pain. You know, emotional yeah. empathy is you being able to feel somebody else's pain. So, for example, if you're in pain and you come to me today, and then I you tell me I'm going through a really rough time, and this mm-hmm. happened, that happened, right? 
for me who has emotional and compassionate empathy is mm. I can actually tap into your yeah. um, pain. I can feel your pain. Yeah. And then what I do is I make it about you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the empathy. That's the emotional so compassion. So a narcissist would think it's about them. Them. It's like, oh, here's an opportunity. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be the yeah. big shot. Like, oh, poor you. Let me, you know, I always help you. I am the one. You came to me. I'm glad you came to me. I am the one who I can rescue you. That's, I mean, they might not sh- say it, those words, but that's what's happening. Would I be right in saying I've heard a lot of this with pregnant women and their partners? Because the woman is, you know, pregnant and, you know, maybe they're, you know, quite far down the line and they're really suffering and you're in a lot of discomfort and their partner, husband or whoever may say to them, you know, oh yeah, you know, I've had a really bad back today as well. And I really feel like it's like, but you're, but, you know, you're not pregnant, you know, it's completely different. Is that, am I on a different track? It's all contextual, and I, yeah. I really cannot say that's what it is. Yeah. It's contextual because I think in in a relationship you feel you feel the freedom to express. You know, yeah. you can when we are in an intimate relationship, you can tell me you have a bad day, and I can go, "Oh fuck, man, I, oh, I, have, <laughs> yeah, I have a bad day too today." <laughs> and then in a healthy relationship, we'll, you talk you'll talk about, about it. it. Mm. You'll talk about it. Brene, Brene Brown talk about it. She mm. talks about you know, quantifying how much energy you can give. She says this, her and her partner talk about, you know. Uh, yeah, I've read that. Her she being says able like, to give 20% like, partner. She'll say, I'm giving you yeah, 10%. And he says, okay, well, I'll make up the rest then, you know. Yeah. Or I'm feeling really low today. I'm on about a 10%. Okay, I'm going to get the energy in today. Yeah, I read that. But right, right, yeah. what she said. So it's, it's a healthy relationship. And yeah. some people energetically tune in. Some people, you know, healthy relationships, they make it work. But for a narcissistic relationship, I mean, I really remember like, I was going through a really, really tough time with this very, very toxic person at, at work mm-hmm. and a uh, narcissistic person at work. And I would come home and um, and I would be gaslighted to think it is how it is and it's mm-hmm. the workplace and, it, you know, you're going to have to put up with it. And, uh, you know, what can you do? You know, we need the money. And it, there's, there's this that's completely minimizing my experience. And I'm talking about like real, real serious stuff that grievances that I've raised, you know, and I'm talking about this, you know, Um, but there's, there's zero empathy. There is just zero empathy. It's more about, do you want to watch a movie? Because I'm in a good mood. I want to watch a movie. That's all things, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's that, well, that, is like, that where is that where compassionate empathy comes from then? Because I was wondering what the difference is between um, emotional empathy and compassionate empathy. I I read I read yeah. and and as a concept for me personally, they go hand in hand. Yeah, I don't yeah, see I was thinking. And but I read the emotional empathy is more about really understand them. Um, understand and do something about it but compassionate empathy is really feeling it Mm. right so I know I'm very energy sensitive as a person like a holistic practitioner Mm -hmm. doing energy healing I am very energy sensitive so if, if if I 
work with a client, I can actually energetically feel the depth of the pain, mm. right? It's very energetic. Um, that's how I understood the research. Well, research, it's a research actually I've read. Mm. Um, I, you know, whether it's emotional, compassionate, if you're feeling somebody else's pain, mm -hmm. I suppose it's okay. It's the cognitive empathy that we very frequently see in workplaces. So it's like, oh, poor you. I mean, you don't even wait to hear other person's pain. You vanish. Mm -hmm. That's not empathy. That's not literally listening. Yeah. So that's what the narcissistic people have. Mm -hmm. So where does the, where does gaslighting fit in or coercion fit in? Okay. Good question. Gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation that takes over a period of time and that is to exert control over another person. And that's usually uh, calculated um, in the sense it's, it's always a choice. And gaslight is actually, not all gaslighters are narcissistic, mm. but narcissistic people use um, gaslighting as a big tool that is it, one of the biggest tools yeah. in their toolbox to actually exert control over over the and person I think what you is. said before Nasanka about um, contextualizing everything does have to be contextualized yeah. and perhaps things are going to are happening for a space of time hopefully not too long if it is yeah. a problem but there's a space of time there and if you if this gaslighting is kind of you know going on that's where maybe you can sit down and say yeah this isn't this isn't normal in our relationship and yeah. you're starting to be blamed or see things that i don't think is right do you know gaslighting is a lot deeper than that it's actually a lot more complicated than that yeah. i would say so i'll talk about what gaslighting is not yeah. gaslighting is not about disagreement arguments mm -hmm. snappiness not even a slamming door and walking out of the room when you're not mm -hmm. ready to talk that none of that is gaslighting um misunderstandings that's not gaslighting gaslighting is um okay imagine this just so I, I'll contextualize it for you. So imagine this. Usually it involves lying and manipulation mm -hmm. as a as a habit. And so gaslighting for, for gaslighting to take place, the abusers or narcissistic people, I'll use the word abuser here because mm -hmm. it happens in other abusive re relationships as well. So mm -hmm. the abuser will uh, create a power imbalance right from the beginning by making you idealize them right from the start. Mm -hmm. So that's what they do, something called love bombing at a, a beginning of a relationship. Yeah, it's a red flag. Dining and the big holidays. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might not have the money to do that, but all these beautiful fake promises and the things that we write songs about, and, the things and, and that also, we make about. I've, I've come across so many stories that... Um, perhaps mostly female i know there's men out there who are also victims or survivors but of um the female so she's looking for a new relationship perhaps you know the one before wasn't that great she may be in a slightly vulnerable or a vulnerable position and then this chap comes along and he just sweeps her off her feet how yeah. you know how we, we think of the fairy tales and isn't this wonderful and to everybody else it could be mm, I'm not sure about that. Be careful. That's a little bit full on. But you at that time in this, oh, no, he's wonderful. And look at what we're doing. And we're doing X, Y, and Z. And isn't this great? 
we normalize the fairy tales a lot yes. here and it's really really yes, toxic thank you. We normalize the the, the 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 drama triangle a lot like we normalize uh, being rescued and becoming a rescuer a lot yeah. through the media, mainstream media, and culturally and, and religiously, which is in itself is like a series of podcast episodes. Episodes that you know, let's just get into the core of that. Going back to gaslighting, going back to gaslighting, and yeah, so that they create the love bombing phase, and you know, like if you, if you've got these anxious attachment styles, and you're looking for a rescuer in your life, knight in shining armor, you know, like a you know some you know like a magic wand to solve all your problems, mm. you know, you're likely to be attached to these people. But on the other hand, there's also they create this persona that is so believable, and it's very calculated, you know. Mm. So don't blame yourself if you are in these relationships because they've actually gaslighted you. They've actually manipulated you, lied to you, created something that is so believable. So actually they've got a plan and um, you've chosen to trust somebody. So give yourself some space and compassion. So they created this um, power imbalance mm. through that and they start devaluing the person. That's the second stage of mm is the devaluing the person you're not good enough you're not that you're not doing it right you're fat you're too thin you're this you eat too much you know whatever it is the too much or not enoughness and then when you devalue in that the victim or the survivor then is in a constant state of confusion and that's when this usually start gaslighting okay so think about this scenario you might be that person who approaches a partner a man and woman in this scenario woman approaches the man and goes man being the narcissist here uh, i want to study and the man will go they will never say no they may say something like this they might be like oh, do you really want to do it? I thought we were going to start a family. We don't have money for the family. I've been saving that money for the family. You know, I don't know what you think. Well, you know, it's up to you, you know, the shrugged shoulder and the whole blame shifting and the whole uh, the whole demeanor changes. You know, it's, it's up to you. I mean, if you don't want a family, then that's okay. Oh. You know, but I really wanted a family, but I thought you wanted a family, you know. They just oh, no. being very manipulative. So the woman goes, Oh, we never talked about it. So, well, maybe if that's what you want, yeah, let's talk about it. You know, yeah, I might not do that training. That's fine. I'll keep the money, right? Mm -hmm. Right? But the family doesn't happen. This is where the gaslighting works. The family doesn't happen because he's not really keen on a family. He just doesn't want her to study and be confident and do something, right? Yeah. He wants her to stay under, the, under that thumb control. So the woman goes, do you know, like we were talking about family, you said you wanted a family and, you know, I didn't even do that. And how about that? And then the man goes, well, you know, I mean, you really didn't. I really didn't get the impression from you that you wanted a family. Didn't you just want to go away and do some training? I mean, I changed my mind about it because, you know, like you gave me the impression that you didn't want a family. So I changed my mind about it. Oh, Nisanka, you're good. I feel like screaming at you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. That's not what exactly. I mean. Yeah. So imagine the confusion in that woman's mm. head, right? Mm. This is not over yet. Mm -hmm. This is 
goes on forever. This yeah. is a game for them. It's a cat, cat and mouse game. And they, some of them derive actually sadistic pleasure mm -hmm. from these moments. It entertains them to see the other person powerless and helpless. Mm -hmm. So next thing, that he would use the same money and go and buy something for him, him, sort of motorbike or whatever it is that he wants, buy the same thing. And you'd go reactive abuse, like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. why, why? You said you wanted that money for the family and yes. why didn't you let me da 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 da? So you will challenge, you will try to hold them accountable. So he goes, he goes, can't I spend my own money? Uh, didn't I let you go away and then um, study like 25 years ago, five years ago? You did that. That's all you want to do. It's all about you. You want study, study, study. I didn't get to have a family. I didn't get to have my own thing because you were studying. So you can see how it's just turned all around. Twisting. It's always all back on you. Yeah. Always yeah. back on you. It's always being twisted. That's so powerful, that type of um, story. Yeah. You so know. that's gaslighting that's yeah. gaslighting you know you cannot and there's a there's a really good method to figure out whether you're being gaslighted or not mm -hmm. that's called Davo. Davo, i don't know i can't remember who came up with these things you know like i don't keep uh the names but Davo well, I'll, is, I'll, we'll have a look into it and i'll pop it on the yeah. show notes yeah that'll be amazing Davo is um Davo is, uh, it stands for attack, reverse, victim. D, I can't remember D, what it stands for. Basically what it does is when you uh, deflect, right? So when you try to hold them accountable, yeah. right? They deflect it back to you. That's your fault, right? And then they attack you in this conversation they attack mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. and then they reverse the victim so then they come across like they are the victim so in this mm -hmm. story Mario is dead they were like I can't have a child because of you I can't have a family because of you I can't have the motorbike because of you so they constantly just just send it back to you they constantly send it back to you okay so yeah. you can't win you can't have you cannot apply any non-violent communication methods out there with a narcissistic person because they're twisted all the time yeah the normal That's where all the frustration comes through doesn't it and that you think you're actually going crazy and it happened yeah. over such a long period of time that yeah it can just wear you out where you do think there's something wrong with me yeah absolutely yeah. and what you do is like i mean i i I'm, i still do that by the way it's, it's been years and i still do this uh, where you run things in your head over and over and over and over again. You rehearse the conversations before you have it with somebody because you're like constantly walking on eggshells, mm -hmm. worried that you would say the sort of wrong thing, you would make a mistake because that's how scared you are of repercussions and punishments because they're also very good at punishments. The narcissistic people are notorious for their punishment so they come up with something every single time mm. you figure out one way and they come up with a different thing mm -hmm. so sometimes they stonewall you like not talking to you not responding to you withdraw love attention mm -hmm. money anything and sometimes it can be physical punishment mm -hmm. sometimes it can be like sexual punishment you know 
I mean, I was watching um, Fifty Shades of Grey again, like one of those moments, like, I'm going to watch this with my narcissism hat on. <laughs> and there was this scene where Christian Grey um, deprives Anna of orgasm, mm -hmm. right? And I got chills. It was entertaining the first time when I watched it, like a year ago. When you watched it from a different perspective. Different perspectives, like, oh my God, that's, that's just abuse. I got psychological abuse, that's physical yeah. abuse, that's sexual abuse. And these people can do that. They can, they can sort of deprive you of any physical attention, love, you know, any, everything yeah. that you, they're very good for punishment. So you're constantly living in fear of mm. being punished by these people. You cannot win. And that's the thing about the narcissist. Which eventually, you know, eventually, because I, I mean, maybe sometimes it's gone on for so long yeah. that the the victim or the survivor yeah. is just reduced to a shell themselves. It is. Yeah, you like are. I mean, like, their confidence is depleted, yeah. their self-worth, their self-esteem. They've started to question everything about themselves, about their lives, about the world around them, about the person that they're with. Yeah. It, it, so for me, I'm going to ask the question of how does that person get out of that situation when they've been so um, conditioned? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I can only think of my time when... Yeah when I was in that situation, like, um, I just, I couldn't even make a decision on what breakfast I want to eat in the morning. Mm. And it still felt normal. Um, yeah, it still felt normal because it's this, um, shell of a person, shell of, chronic doubt, chronic yeah. self-doubt, chronic self-doubt. And also you come up with a lot of physical illnesses as well, because you're constantly on fight or flight response your yeah, body is flooded with cortisol and you're constantly in the trauma response so um, I had shakiness um, dizziness um, asthma and uh, um, my skin came up with started coming up with rashes that unexplained um, well rashes no medical explanations to them and I was severely depressed and you know but more than that there was no energy like I didn't enjoy any I had no life basically yes. I was living you were reduced you reduced you were not I was reduced that, to a shell of a person yeah. I was reduced to a shell of a person so well, how do I come out of it well does anybody around you notice I'm, no I'm, I was I'm, very good at hiding because I was scared yeah. and I was that, very and good the, at and hiding. the narcissist is also very good at being secretive with their behavior as well because I, I guess that's part of the manipulation yeah yeah, yeah it never happens outside yeah never happens outside it happens behind closed oh, doors what, you know even if you were to complain to say somebody oh what do you mean oh he's absolutely lovely oh he's always made me feel special you know i've, I've like been that. i've been told so by people when i try to speak um um so i remember trying to speak with a friend of mine who was working with the same boss at the time this mm -hmm. is a different scenario mm -hmm. and I was I was trying to say that you know this person is narcissistic this is how they treated me and my friend said to me oh she's never treated me that way and like it's it's, it's they target you know narcissistic people are very good at targeting people particularly mm -hmm. good confident intelligent skillful people who live a life they're very good at targeting them See, again that's, that's another interesting opinion. that's another it's interesting point yeah, yeah, because I thought that they were likely to target somebody who's vulnerable, but you've just said that they target, maybe they see you as a bit of competition, so they want to knock you down a peg or two. I might be wrong there, don't know. 
But there's I'm... many theories, yeah, there's many theories about it. But I think, you know, the, the myth, another myth is that uh, narcissistic people tar target vulnerable and weak people. Mm. Actually, no. no, actually, they don't. They actually spot confident, um, love, bubbly, loving, empathetic, kind people. It's, um, yeah, and uh, what was I going to say? And I guess yeah. also for the victim, we'll just say victim in this podcast for, for now, but, yeah. but I guess it can be, once maybe you start to realise and you start to realise what's been going on, I'm sure then they are so feeling, feeling probably very ashamed of themselves, like I'm so embarrassed, I feel so, how could I let this happen to me? How did I not see this coming? Oh, you, oh, you hit the oh, what do you got nail on the head, Sarah? The, <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the dominating feelings and thoughts I had at the time. Mm. I am such a confident person. I've done X, Y, Z mm. in my life. Am I making this shit up? Yeah. Am I the problem? I am the problem. Will other people think I'm making it up? Other people are gonna think, and more the shame and the grief around. How did, how did I let this happen yeah. to me? Yeah. I have, you know, I am knowledgeable about these yeah. things. How did I let this happen to me? Mm -hmm. And the second biggest thing that actually happened very recently to me is to realize that apart from a therapist who understands this, there is zero chance of me actually convincing anybody else that this happened to me. Mm. Because like you said, all closed behind closed doors it's mm -hmm. very subtle these people have a very charming personality outside and they're very good no well known so there is zero chance of me actually being able to prove um, and if what? you present yourself as a confident outgoing person then people are likely to say oh but you're wonderful and you do this and you do that you know like what are you talking about very much about the but nobody knew that you know nobody knew but you were absolutely fine very isolating it's a, isn't it it's a very isolating um oh god yes happened. it's really really isolating it's a really isolating experience but you're also going through as a person yourself and these are the stages so you ask yeah. me a question of how you get out of this you mm. you'll find yourself going through different stages like one is the the first thing is the shock you know how did i let this happen to me i i know better i knew better how did this happen to me i mean almost like the aha moment oh my oh. god like the reality has just gone boom i wouldn't i wouldn't call it an aha moment i'd call it what the fuck moment yeah that's for our cards on the table what the yeah, imagine like even a cartoon picture and i don't mean to make you know i'm not making light of this but you know that like <gasps> exactly in time. Yeah, yeah catch my breath this moment is yeah. this is what happened. oh my god you know okay and then you go in the denial no we had many good days you know mm. he was xyz and you know he did she did this and mm. you know we had very good so many good days and so maybe there's something wrong with me and then there's the denial you know you mm. just cannot really piece together what's just happened mm -hmm. and a lot of people also get stuck in relationships for a long time so to 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 actually acknowledge this is yeah. what's happened it takes a long time because you have, you have children as well you have children you have yeah. memories and you know um that you have shared assets and past and you know so many things Cult culture i guess can play a part as well every culture play a part yeah. Yeah. Every culture play a part in its manifestation of 
how they expect the people to be. So I think I'm from Asian culture. We have a different set of beliefs that contribute to this narcissism, but I'm looking at Western culture. Western culture has different set of beliefs yeah. that contribute to narcissism. Yeah. Culture, it's not that this culture affects more than the other. It's mm -hmm. just that every culture affects and breeds narcissism in its own yeah. unique its own way. way. Yeah. Yeah, some cultures, I might say, I might say that some cultures who are very, like, family-oriented, very, very uh, governed by religious beliefs and, mm. like, punishment or shame, you know, shaming mm. people for being who they are, they might have a thicker narcissism tendency more, but, uh, but every culture. Going Do back to the point, go on. Well, it's just, yeah, before we go back there. Yeah. Are you, is, is, is narcissism, is it a nature thing or is it a nurture thing? How do you, do you, how do you become a narcissist? Like I said, I think mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it's a combination of all of it. And I, I believe it's nature and nurture at the same time because you yeah. can nurture. Mm. Nurturing and narcissism don't go together because when mm. you're actually properly lovingly nurtured, you become an empathetic person. I think mm. where the absence of nurture is, mm. there is uh, narcissism. I think yeah. that's where I say where yeah, the absence of nurture is, um, that, that there's the sense. possibility of narcissism. Yeah. Um, so we were go, go back to the question. Go back to the stages. <laughs> how do we? How do we come? So you're in the it? shock and the denial, and then there's the rock bottom. When you mm. go to the shock and you don't have a place to go, you go into the rock bottom of, you know, this is it, end of life for me. Don't have anything else. I'm too old. What have I done? I've invested so much in this relationship, etc., mm. etc. Et I've got nowhere to go. I've got no job now. You that's know, the grief, like, isn't it? That's just the grief. Grief, yeah. Everything that's hit you. Yeah, and then you start researching, and everybody is, every human being is a curious human being, and so they'll go into researching. And information about narcissism is quite readily available everywhere now, actually. Um, yeah. So be careful of what information you actually digest. Um, I would say because there, I, I see some information being. Um, I don't think some people are talking from a place of healed mm. um, because they project a lot of anger that they have towards the narcissist. I don't think it's helpful for people mm. who want information and who want to find a way out of the situation that they're in mm -hmm. to hear from another person um, the anger of their person. So that, that person. So be careful of what you filter in and digest. So when you find more and more about narcissism, I remember this moment of going, oh, my God, it makes mm -hmm. sense. I am not the problem. Mm -hmm. It took me a while to integrate the belief I am not the problem, but I, I, I rationally, cognitively knew that, oh, yeah, this, this makes sense. I am not the problem. Let me delve into it. And from that moment, you go into a radical acceptance of this person, won't change they are who they are I've got I've got the power to change and I think from that place you can work with clients better than when when they're in the denial stage mm -hmm. um, and then you know I mean there's going to be many relapses by the way especially if you're co-parenting or trying to co-parent or parent what where the narcissist wants to come back in your life well or... 
sometimes they can't want to come back in your life um which, which is called a process called hoovering they'll be like oh um oh i remember those days i miss you and i can't live without you you know let me come back and the subject is let, let me come back and make your life hell so don't <laughs> That's the subject. I miss when when they say I miss you. I miss I miss controlling. Or in another way, for a narcissist, you know, the the marriage breakup is that not you know denting their ego a little? Oh yeah, yeah. so right. maybe I want you back because this looks really shit in front of everyone. So just come back, please. You oh know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll find some narcissists actually leave because they found another supply and they found a mm. you know what they consider to be better. bigger and better bigger and better what yeah. they consider to be and i have to emphasize what they consider to be better doesn't mean that you're worse yeah, or yeah. you're second um and then some people do but some people actually decide to stay because it's the status quo and it's the the reputation of the family and you know they don't want to be another scene seen as a failure or they don't want to be exposed as the bad person and this is mm. i told you at the beginning it's about grandiosity and shame mm. so they don't want to be exposed as a failure so they mm. would come back and they would try to make amends and they would say i will change i will go to therapy please take me back and, and i'm mocking it because i am mocking it because it's fun uh, and you know i've even heard of situations where they've contacted perhaps family members and said things like oh i don't know what's going on she just left me you know I oh, don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet, you know and then they come to you and say oh he's heartbroken you know what's happened you're thinking oh my no, i've experienced it myself and i'm laughing yeah. because i like it's like oh my god yes it's yeah. like um, you were watching some of the episodes of my life and it's like i've done i've done my best you know i've i've, I've offered to look after that person but they yeah. don't treat me they just don't want it they want something better that's why they left yeah so again, oh, it's it the just whole makes thing. me feel like screaming like, oh oh gosh Imagine being in the situation, Sarah. Oh, Imagine no. being in the situation and everybody else, like all the enabling people telling you, yeah. you're going to do it for the family, you do yeah. it for the children, you know. It is what it is. You know, these things happen in our families too. And to those people, I say, fuck you all. Um, <laughs> you can you've edit this. To, with, haven't you? No, you've got uh, you've to. Gotta, you've got to. Yeah, it's not for children. You've, yeah, you've got to. Or you can edit it out. Yeah. But um, I am very unhinged most of the time. And um, and also learn to say fuck you all as well. Because it's mm. a big part of this. Is I know it's difficult when you have children. You're talking about grandparents, aunties, mm. uncles. Mm. You know, people who are surrounded by these children. And... And that's why you need the skills to navigate the situations and you don't have to make your children feel isolated you can still have these people in your life mm -hmm. you know in children's lives and be a big part of you know but, your children stay with who you are keep that detachment and but you've got to have the skills yeah go to someone for support so like someone like yourself you yeah know, find find that support that objective support so that you can be safe and then you know, and maybe also the support groups or things like that. So you can build a community around you of people who understand what you're going through. And that's your your place. Absolutely. That, that is that would be really place. effective. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, I very strongly suggest two things. One mm. is find the community that is right for you, who understands what's going on. I've got a community space 
where I give that space. You know, we, we meet up every second Wednesday of the month, mm-hmm. uh, once a month, and there's no selling. There's none, none, nothing else other than us getting together and Amazing. creating that space. I'll make sure. We'll um, make sure that that goes in the notes. These details. Yeah. Thank you, because I know what it felt like to be isolated, like yeah. completely discarded from the families, the friends and everybody. I know the pain of that isolation and nobody gets me. Right. I don't want anybody else going through that. So I've created that. I don't sell anything there. Just come and be supported. Is that online? And is that okay? That's online. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. a Zoom meeting. Yeah. And the second thing is also don't be naive okay and and really really compassionately listen to what i'm just about to say don't be naive in thinking that everybody will validate your experience and they won't and it's not how the world works Mm. and also let go of that expectation that everybody is able to validate your experience and i'll uh, because they don't get it i think how the human behavior works how how we work is when we've been through some experience, we develop the skills to validate somebody else better mm. as opposed to when we haven't been through that experience, right? Mm. I remember years ago um, when I first came into this country, you know, um, when I heard about the benefit system and how everybody talks about the benefit system, like lazy people or whatever it is, they don't want to work. And I actually believe that narrative of the benefit system. And guess what? I ended up in the benefit system. Mm. I had three degrees, three university degrees. Mm. Two of them are like postgraduate. I'd worked in the industry for education for 20 years. And then I have so many other qualifications, mm. but I couldn't work. Yeah. But I actually couldn't work. It was so unwell to work. I ended up in. But then I, I, I looked at that system and the people who come through that door, I developed a different level of empathy. So, and then I can validate somebody else now better because I've been through this experience. So I think don't be to do basically. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be angry at the world for not being able to validate your experience because I think drop that expectation that everybody will be able to validate your experience, but find the place where your experience will be believed and validated. Narcissistic abuse and the stories surrounding it and how that manifested in every relationship day to day is very different, right? Honestly, I can write a stand-up comedy show about some of the stuff that I've been through. Mm -hmm. It's funny looking at it now from a healed place. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you know, but it's not funny going through it. Um, so it's it's how they come up with these creative ideas. To... Yeah, I think that's what's so funny, isn't it? You know, you sit there and you can go, how did it get me with that one? Like, oh, my God. How, you know, that was so creative. That was like, you know, beyond crazy. And I fell for it. Yes. <laughs> that. Like, like, oh, this, is, this is like a different level of creativity. Yeah. Man, like, use that brain for something else and something valuable, but they don't know how to. Um, I want to ask you one more thing, you know, um, I'm a member of a group on Facebook um, and um, it's a group um, for uh, around narcissism and one lady put on there and you reminded me earlier when you said about the love bomb that she's been in a narcissistic relationship and now she's looking for love or, but I don't think she'd left it too long and she said, oh, she's just met this guy and he pretty much has love bombed her. And a lot of the comments that she got back was red flag, red flag, you need some time on your own. But of course, 
how does somebody who's been in that situation, that relationship, how do they move on? And, and how do they perhaps um, move on safely? And also from a trusting place too, because of course, not everybody is a narcissist. And, you know, I'm sure that there's a time maybe where they will question perhaps someone and think, are they a narcissist? Are they not? Is this, is this person safe for me? Is this a, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Do I make sense? Yes, I yeah. think I'm, yes, I'm getting it. Again, it's one of those things, being there, done it, because one of the first things I tried was dating. A relationship. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Dating, like, have I still got it? I was in that relationship for 19 years. I hadn't dated anybody for mm. 20 years. I was like, okay, what do I do here? Mm. I really did get it out of my system and by going out there, but learning a lot about myself. But the thing that worked for me, I still had therapist with me and I yes. was working in therapy. Therefore, I could bring the experience and I could explore it there. And yeah. I'm being a coach and a holistic therapist. I'm surrounded by other people mm. who can give me wisdom. Mm. Not everybody has that mm. um, opportunity. So going back into dating, give yourself plenty of time, mm. at least 12 months to 18 months. If mm. you've been in a long term relationship mm -hmm. give yourself plenty of time i think get back to knowing you reconnect with who you yes. are yes yeah you have to do a lot of deprogramming because mm -hmm. you have been programmed to serve somebody else mm -hmm. you will not even notice the red flags for red flags mm -hmm. because that's how programmed you are mm -hmm. um, and you don't know who you are anymore you really don't know you think you do but you don't because you lived a life serving somebody else, another human being. Even in a healthy relationship, we adapt. Mm. We we change. Each other, it's it's mm. that, yeah, you know, but here in this scenario, you have really, really been programmed mm. to serve for somebody else. So give yourself plenty of time. Just not home, sitting home, avoiding triggers. Mm. Okay. Because that's not going to help you either. No, it's not. So get into get into therapy or get into coaching i think a lot of coaches use a lot of therapeutic ap approaches like yeah. nervous system regulation and etc which is what i do and um heal your inner 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 childhood inner wounds okay but when you feel ready for dating my this is my personal suggestion right when you really feel ready for dating give another three months because that three months is where you will actually be able to manifest somebody that you really, really want in your life. Because when you feel ready for dating, there is an excitement. That means there's an ex expectation, right? Yeah. And there's the dopamine um, whole sort of um, chemical thing going on. So your whole body and the nervous system and, and, and the whole energy changes there. I'd say give another three months right give That's another a really team. good tip give another yeah. three months manifest give another three months yeah. allow the universe to do the magic and and also <clears throat> um on a more practical level you need to be in environments doing the things that you love so you bump into people that are doing enjoying the same thing yeah okay and um, I love and, this really, Nasanka, because you're talking a lot about this energy, aren't you? You know, yeah. and the universe. Because yeah. if you put this kind of action in, you're more likely, if you know, the universe is more likely to give you what you want and what you need. Yeah. And the best match for you. Because I've been thinking Absolutely. a lot, I've been reading a lot about this. I've been, you know, with guests a lot about manifestation. 
Um, it's not just, you know, I want a really great guy, woman who's going to, you know, make everything okay. No, we've got to put some action in. And that's the yeah. action you're talking about, be in those places, yeah. give yourself, make these opportunities for yourself. Yeah. And also deconstruct the socially conditioned idea of what kind of a person that you want, because you think you want this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's a socially constructed idea. You kind of want to, I mean, you kind of want a Christian Grey, but actually, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. No, no, no. Like, I know, I know you don't. What I'm saying is, you know, yeah. it, it became a phenomena for a reason. I, I think for me, it's to what type of person do you want? I mean, we've all got social constructs and quite a lot, a lot of time I hear tall, dark and handsome from a female, for example, yeah. you know. Let's get over that bit, you know, yeah. and what, go deeper. What is Go it? deeper. And, and go deeper. detail. So perhaps you would like him to live near to you. You would like him to at least live in the same village yes. or city or whatever it is, you know, yeah. things like that. You want Little him to, things. yeah, you want him to, I don't know, um, not be, uh, I guess, kind, you know, generous, um, uh, generous with, your family I, there's, there's lots of you can just go on into that bit more detail really, really manifest it really really manifest it and manifest it and let it go and then live your life and that's the other part you've got to be able to get yourself to a place where you are able to just get on with your life yeah um you know it's get on with your life enjoy things you're doing and you know if it's dancing you just go and dance and if it's walking go and walk and do things but here's a tip when you date, right? And I think online dating is is has changed, I think. It, I wouldn't give it a label as toxic or there are toxic people everywhere. I think mm -hmm. you, you've got to be able to filter them out and yeah. get yourself to a place where you can do that. Look for the green flags. Are they kind? Are they empathetic? Um, you know, how did they react? And these are the important things. How did they react to your boundaries? Mm -hmm. How do you react when you put boundaries in? Are you going home thinking, oh, my God, I put a boundary in. I'm a bad person. He's going to go now. He's going to leave me. I'm going to go and change it. Is that how you react? You're not ready, right? Make yourself catch it, change it. That's the whole thing. You know, it's that whole thing of catch it, bin it. No, catch it and change it. Yeah. That's that's your job. Live a conscious life. So look for how they react to bad situations. Look for how they react to stress. Look how they react to your stress. Mm -hmm. Okay? And these are the things to look for. That's key, isn't it? Look at their reactions. Look at their yes. behaviours. Yes. Rather than perhaps just focusing on language. Yeah, don't, don't, for, oh my God, I'll tell you what, from my own dating experience, there are a lot of people out there who has studied the language. Mm. They watch these the language of love, baby. They've learned, the, they have learned it. I mean, I remember like going out with this guy, he, he just knew what to say, but he knew very little that I was paying attention to the actions and mm. You know, and the moment I put my boundaries in place, it disappeared. I'm like, thank God, you know. Um, but, you know, as a human being, you you feel upset about these things. Take them, forgive yourself, uh, have compassion, uh, compassion. And, you know, don't go into this belief of, oh, my God, the world is only sending me bad people. And, oh, I am attracting bad people. It's not like that. With one in five people 
having narcissistic traits, you, you have a better chance of uh, bumping into these people more often than you think mm-hmm. or you like. So let it go, learn to let them go, move on with your life and just get on with your life. Uh, Look for the green flags. But here's the thing, don't play a game. And I think a lot of dating gurus out there are teaching you how to play a game, like hold up sex for three months or whatever it is. It's Mm. not that. It's really connect with your own body, connect with your own body and go with how your body is telling you, right? You have the right connection, um here you will know you have the right connection anybody is capable of crafting and creating a wonderful connection on the first date Mm -hmm. because you have a lot of energy it's excitement it's a new person right do they have the same ability on the fifth date Mm -hmm. can you have the same ability on the fifth date that's the thing that you need to watch for so you know, I love that. That's a really good idea. You know, yeah. take time, spend time, really, yeah. really spend time. The key is not to see if the other person likes you. The key is to see if you like that person. Mm-hmm. Right? I think we get so trapped in, does this yeah, person does he like, like me? me? Does, he, yeah, yeah, does he like me? Does he like yeah. me? And it's really excitement. I mean, I do the same thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm you, like, see, oh. Oh, no. you know those programs like first dates or something where they go in the toilet they get oh on the phone God. to the friend. Do you know that? What like, yeah, what he's really that? nice. You know, I don't know. I mean, he's, te- he's telling me a lot of this stuff or she's, yeah, she's, you know, she seems okay. Yeah, it's hilarious. And, I'm, you know, guess that's another podcast episode the whole day oh, that's a different podcast. That's yeah. very, very different podcast. Yeah. i mean that's you know, how i feel these days i believe, uh, I believe. Yeah. that's a different podcast but you you need to give yourself enough time your nervous system enough time yeah. to feel safe yeah. because when your nervous system doesn't feel safe it sends wrong signals out and everywhere also, that's where you can also make the you know the wrong choices yeah you're still not in that 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 position you know I always imagine the wood for the trees and if you're still kind of in your processes of healing yeah can't still quite see that clearly yet so just give yourself that bit of time there's no rush give time absolutely I mean you will never be fully healed it's not like you're you're gonna it's not like you're gonna go well I'm gonna be first healed Mm. and then go on a dating app Mm. and then gonna find the person who has healed it's not like that it's about finding a mature enough person to be able to face these ups and downs that life has to throw and and love the unhealed parts of you and I'd say love the unhealed part of you as well. Love the part that's been abused. Mm. Love the part who made the decision to go into that abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, We cannot discard those parts of us and then create a life because that's just who we are. And, you know, and as much as it's very difficult to acknowledge we've been through this experience, you will, when you get to a stage, you will look back in life and you'll realize, okay, this is all had a plan. It's all had a plan. There is a there is a plan, and mm-hmm. it's probably not very trauma informed language that I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a person who's been through a ton of trauma, you know, childhood trauma as well, mm-hmm. including sexual abuse, um, I can say that everything everything <laughs> we have something beyond our control that is happening in this universe that I I I don't think I'm clever enough to actually put it into words mm. or even understand the best thing is to surrender to the powers that surround us and 
and just go go with it and you can heal your body I, um, can heal. I was reading something um well looking at you know say forgiveness and the idea of when you forgive somebody you're not forgiving them you know for what they're doing it's almost like you're just saying well that experience has shaped who I am you know that experience has shaped who I am now today almost just a level of acceptance acceptance yeah, yeah. acceptance forgiveness is another episode of um, episode yeah, I, would say. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's acceptance it's letting go of the attachment mm. uh, whether it's anger or whatever it is you let go of the attachment and, and we're not that. going to let that define us yes know, that, that was I then it. i am not going to let that define me now exactly yeah. exactly just taking control of your life in a way so nasanka there's an awful <laughs> lot though what an episode honestly I... amazing what's one i mean we, you've said quite a few things but what's one thing that you would like what's one takeaway you would like a listener to take away with them today out of all of that hopefully they'll take a lot which they will but one. what's one thing really really have okay so don't chastise your your decision to either stay or go mm -hmm. that's one thing mm -hmm. don't chastise your, chastise yourself mm -hmm. and this is where i said be careful of the content out there mm -hmm. that people are putting out a lot of is like go 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 mm -hmm. it's not that simple for everybody mm -hmm. right so accept your decision and it's okay radical mm -hmm. acceptance Second is, there is hope in every situation mm -hmm. and find that hope and find the juice for that hope. Mm -hmm. For me, it was my daughter. I didn't want to create the same childhood for my daughter. So I, I, I made her my sort of lighthouse, right? Mm -hmm. Not that I give the responsibility to her, but I made her my lighthouse. Mm -hmm. How can I change my life so I can be available for my daughter? Mm -hmm. That's the question I'm always asking. Mm -hmm. So find that hope. What is it that will get you out in the morning mm. and that will give you a life, even in this most difficult situation, what will make you tickle on, keep going, go for something? For me, it's my daughter. I know for my grandmother, who was very similar situation with eight children, by the way, it was it was religion. It was religion. It was her faith. It was her Buddhism. She got very close to the Buddhist and the principles and the rituals, mm -hmm. and she survived. She she did well. Mm -hmm. Still died a very compassionate, kind person. Yeah. You know, having believing, having having done a great job with the children, mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, quite peacefully actually. It's a peaceful death. So find that thing. What is it that? What is it for you? That, that will what be your it? driving force. Like yeah, what's driving force? What is it for you? That'll keep you going. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much, Nasanka. We'll leave it there. And I'm sure that that has been so informative for all our listeners out there. Thank you for coming on the show. It's amazing. Thank you for having me. Felt like we were talking forever, but I could go on for like two weeks like this. <laughs> You'll have to definitely come back again. Yes. I'm going to keep you to that one, Nasanka. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Bounce It Back Stronger. I hope you've taken lots from this today, either for you or for somebody else. If you'd like to come on the show, you have a personal story, or perhaps you're an expert in a particular field, then please get in touch. 
You may even wish to work with me on all things linked to changing your beliefs and your behaviours. You'll find all my links in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.